0: Welcome to the, oh, thank goodness, only 15 games to go edition of Sharing Sox. I'm Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son, and West Coast correspondent, Will, uh, as we count down to the possibility of 100 losses. We're recording on Friday uh, after the first devastation at the hands of the Twins. The Sox are 56-91. and so, they have 15 games left to avoid 100 losses. They have to win seven of them. They have three left against Minnesota, then three each against Washington, Boston, Arizona, and San Diego. Kind of a yeah, schedule in there. Nobody who's desperately fighting, although Arizona is still. Arizona's definitely still trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. So, they're the only one really in that position. But at any rate, wait, you, you think 100? You think they can make 100? I think. There are, there
1: are very few things that we can be certain about in life, right? We've got death and taxes being the two most iconic uh, certainties in life. I'm going to throw in a third one here, which is the White Sox lose 100 games. <laughs> I, Dakota. I, I don't see a world where they don't. And, and I mean, of course it's possible, but every team you listed, despite how they don't necessarily all have a lot to play for, they are all better. So I, I just do Even don't, Washington, which
0: is playing pretty well lately. For what,
1: and can you believe that we are saying that the Washington, the 2023 Washington Nationals are better than us? That is a team <laughs> that I thought was like just a bunch of little leaguers this season. They, they threw in the towel as hard as anybody but Oakland and, and Kansas City. And, you know, even Kansas City, not as much. But Washington was a team where I thought, man, they could lose 130 games and, and here they are better than the White Sox. I, I think there's almost no way the White Sox escaped this season without a hundred losses.
0: I, I just don't see it happening. pacota Uh, there's not a Makota today. I, I checked they've, they've, Lately they've only been doing every two or three days. So be- it was before the 10 to two shellacking by Minnesota on, on Thursday night, the 14th, uh, Pachota had them at ninety nine point nine because they do tenths. Uh, <laughs> so I think that probably rounds to a hundred. Um, What's the
1: point of giving a ninety nine point nine projection?
0: It's just, just, it's just the way the computer throws it out there.
1: <laughs> hey, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they'll end the season uh, at ninety nine point nine losses. I, I don't know. I could be wrong.
0: Uh, it could be the last game could be called in the eighth inning or something. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. As, yeah. Goes down as a partial. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> we march on. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? I I looked at some uh, some some team stats. Uh, just just for for their rankings, runs per game, twenty fifth. This is on the batting side. Homers, we always say, wow, if they got homers, we got the homers, we'd be better. Homers are 20th, so that's not good, but not bad. Stolen bases, 23rd. Bases on balls. Well, we know that one. 30th by 25. Oh, wow. 25 wow. fewer walks than Kansas City. Got it. We that are, we are dead last in walks. Oh, we've, been dead, we've been dead last. We've been going back and forth to Detroit all season, and now we've, 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 we're we running away with it. And I read someone, I, I didn't memorize it. Or write it down that the differential between walks taken and walks given, because our pitchers are 29th in giving up walks, every worse than everybody but the A's. It's like the fifth worst in the history of Major League Baseball. Wow. It,
1: it, it maybe fifth,
0: and maybe sixth, and maybe fourth. But it, it's 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 there in, in at least the very bottom ten of the history of Major League Baseball. When you think of what horrible teams have been out there. Wow. That is that
1: is truly pathetic. And I am seeing, and, and, you know, this is, you know, related to that, obviously. Our team on base percentage this year, in which we are 30th. Dead
0: last. Dead last.
1: Is under 300. Yes. Under 300. We're not talking about batting average. The Atlanta Braves team batting average is only 18 points lower than our team on
0: base percentage. and That and not, is and insane. It's, and it's not because of the three true outcomes, because the OPS is 29th in the papers. Again, Yeah, The A's, course, you can see by the A's. <laughs> you know, look, uh, the two guys, o- Oscar Colas, just got sent down to the minors. And, and you can argue, gosh, you sent a guy down with three Totally meaningless games. I mean, weeks of, of meaningless games. That's kind of rude. But he was actually getting worse. that That's yeah. what's scary. He and Lenin Sosa were supposed to be the two guys coming up. And, yeah, boy, they need time. They need to bad We've said that. You know, keep them up there. Keep them going. Let them play in the major league level. Give him more time. Well, uh, he was up to uh, 263 played appearances. Uh, that's enough time. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of time. That's a big sample. And he he had uh, was hitting one seventy nine in September, and it had been two sixteen on the year. So he, he was getting worse. Sosa, who's still up, at two seventy nine in August. You go, yeah, Lenin's finally got it right. All right, September he's hitting two fourteen with a five eleven OPS. Wow, he's got to put him in the bottom one or two percent, and in a hundred. 53 plate appearances in 2023. How many walks do you think Lenine Sosa has? How many plate appearances do you say? 153. 153
1: plate appearances. I'm going to go with one walk.
0: Perfect. Excellent guess. I got it. One one walk and 153 (laughs) plate appearances. 33 strikeouts, which isn't a terribly bad strikeout ratio, except as opposed to walks. I mean, that's. Here's the thing. If I played Major League Baseball
1: for the Chicago White Sox and you gave me 153 played appearances, I'm at least getting two balls because I'm never swinging because I'm never going to hit it. So I'm just watching every time. At least two guys are going to accidentally throw me four balls. You know, we there's a lot of wild pitchers out there. you got two guys who are going to – which means he was – Actively worse at taking a walk than if he never swung the bat at all. Yes, that is my theory. That is my theory, and I believe it is scientifically backed up. That is insane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One walk in a hundred and fifty-three. Uh, makes, makes Tim Anderson look like Eddie Yost. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Depressing. No
1: kidding. Wow! Absolutely terrible. Um, and I, our, our leader in on base percentage is Ben Attendee at only 332. And I mean, so that tells you that and, even your guys. Neg-
0: and he's a negative four player. Our well, leader they in on base percentage are. is a negative four player. I, I, yeah, I mean, Luis is 5.0. Luis Robert Jr. is superb this year. Yes. He's 5.0. The rest of the team is minus 3.1. Wow. You say, could it get worse? Well, yeah, because a plus 1.4, the next on the team, was Jake Berger. <laughs> so we without got Berger, they're 4.5. It's insane. Of course, fielding, uh, defensive run save, 29th, helped by the A's, of course. Uh, range factor, 30th by a huge margin. Wow. Uh, <laughs> St. Louis, 29th there. Pitching runs per game twenty seventh they allow ERA is twenty six. The difference, I guess, because the defense is so crappy that they're yeah. more under runs. They're fourth in the majors in striking people out. So maybe we have a bad strategy. Because they're fourth in the majors in striking people out. They don't get anybody out. They don't strike them out. And they're 29th in the number of walks that they give up. Twenty uh, sixth in whip and the number of people that I'm the only pitcher maybe, in maybe you the top feeling 50. that you have to strike out everybody isn't good strategy. The only
1: pitcher, White Sox pitcher in the top 50 for WAR is Mike Clavenger, And
0: he's going to be gone. We hope he's gone, although Pedro Grifol goes, well, we want him to come back. Well, I can tell you the fans don't want him to come back. He's the only pitcher, incidentally, who meets that 2.0 Boar level, which is what you should have if you're a major league regular. He's the only pitcher that makes that. Now, It's very hard for a relief pitcher to make it. So uh, Gregory Santos, I think it's about a one point four for a relief pitcher. That's really good. That's that's really good. Yeah, that's that's very good for relief pitcher. But yeah, so he he's doing great. But uh, yeah, the he who we are not supposed to name uh is the only one over the two point mark, and the the guys we traded now, the guys we traded we get rid of because either in in a couple of cases they were going to be gone anyway at the end of the year, or it was a matter of picking up an option. Uh, Giolito stunk. In uh, California, stuck in his first game in Cleveland. His last game in Cleveland, he was better. Uh, Lance Lynn has to to been to me a mystery because he was great for the Dodgers. It's like, well, he got a pitching coach who showed him what to do. Great. That was like, three or four games, just absolute lights out. Then had a Lance Lynn collapse. And then gave up like 105 runs, in two innings or something. Then he had one where he went four innings of one hit ball. And they completely fell apart in the fifth inning, which shocked me. And then his last one was was very good. He gives up homers. He always gives up homers. Uh, But they're solo homers. uh, I mean, he gives up a lot of
1: home runs. but he always has. They they tend to always be solo home runs because he challenges guys. I mean, that was the thing when he pitched against the Braves. You know, Lancelin is almost certainly going to lose against this Atlanta Braves team. Everybody is. Everybody is, but a guy like Lance Lynn who can really shut down some other teams, he's not going to shut down a team that just eats fastballs for breakfast. I mean, that Braves team is just such a high-powered offense that the guy who goes out there, and the reason I love Lance Lynn and I love having him on the Dodgers is he's fearless. He goes after everybody. He goes straight for you with forcing fastballs all day, all night. That is what he does. The cutters.
0: They're, they're and, fastball equivalents. He's got cutters and yeah. sinkers. He varies it, but it's always fastballs. Yeah.
1: Right. It's always fastballs. That works against a lot of teams. It's not going to work against that Braves lineup. And and that was proven. I mean, they destroyed him. But he was going to you know, be destroyed by the Atlanta Braves. It's just what was going to happen.
0: One, one thing was interesting. Remember, early in the season, and we talked about it at length because we both happened to watch that game. He went to a curveball, and I don't remember the specific team he was playing against, but he went to a curveball and was really effective. He had great control over getting yeah. swings and misses all over the place, I think because when the other team prepped, they didn't prep for a curveball because he'd thrown about two in the last 10 years, and it was great. And he never seemed to go back to that. I don't know if he never had a feel for it again. Um, well, he he definitely. Were you referring to
1: uh, the Seattle game, the 17 strikeout game, or the 16 strikeout game? It may have been that one. Yeah, because the curveball was absolutely elite that night. Oh, and,
0: just uh, boom uh, off a table. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I mean that's why he tied the White Sox strikeout record or broke it. I can't remember if he broke it or tied it, but he he had a, a curveball that we've. Almost never seen from him. It was it was absolutely spectacular, and I I have no reason for that because he hasn't thrown it much for the Dodgers. He's he's gone back to throwing mostly variations of the fastball, either the cutter, the sinker, or a four seamer, and and he has not been throwing a ton of, of of curveballs for the Dodgers again. So I don't know if that was just a a thing that was going very very well that night, uh, and he he wanted. It, he sort of lost it after coming over, or you know, I've I've been around him at the Dodgers quite a bit, and I've seen him working with with Mark Pryor. Um, they've been I've been spying and seeing you know quite a quite a bit of conversation about grips on the ball. I've seen them watching a lot of footage of, of hand grips on the baseball. So I don't know, um, but he has looked, with the exception of the one and a half outings, he is he has looked like the Lance Lynn that we've all seen over the, the past 10 years of his career in Los Angeles, which is, it's huge for the Dodgers who are completely depleted uh, in the pitching category. Um, I do know too, Lance Lynn is a big, uh, he's a big mound guy. He is a big guy where it is very important how the mound is packed, um, which, you know, often uh, this is something I actually didn't think of. It's kind of an interesting baseball thing in terms of, home field advantage or or a pitcher feeling better at home than on the road i didn't really realize this that the mound is packed specifically for the starting pitcher in the way that they want it that day which makes sense it's something i should have just assumed but i didn't realize how specific it was and i know lynn because of his size uh and his weight he tears up the mound pretty intensely you see him uh, he is constantly fumbling with the dirt in in his landing spot um, so I, I haven't looked at his road numbers I would think that he's got significantly worse road numbers because uh, road road starters are at a pretty intense disadvantage uh, that I didn't really realize how how much of a disadvantage it was because the mound is set up and, and packed for the home starter at all times. Uh, so you can get out there with a pretty funky mound in some ways if the home starter prefers a mound that is packed very differently from the way you would prefer it. It's just an interesting little baseball nuance yeah. that I think a lot of people don't think about. Um, much more so than than the home plate area. The mound is is very specifically packed with specific types of dirt. Um, I know that the mound dirt at Dodger Stadium is you know, kind of the most expensive dirt you'll ever touch in your life because uh, it's a very specific form of clay that they use, and they, they alter the mix based on who the starter is because some starters want it to be sort of rock solid the whole game. Some starters want it to, to ease in and break in a little bit more as they go. Uh, so it's just a, a, another interesting Factor that adds to to home field advantage or disadvantage. Um, something to think about when you're watching these big playoff games and starters on the road. I feel like you could go a little easier if your guy doesn't have a, a lights out road appearance since he <laughs> he may be he may be pitching. And I remember from my pitching days, not that anybody was packing any mounds to to help the home starter, but boy, you you pitched on some just disastrous mounds in high school. Just stuff where you go in and if you. If you don't alter your your follow through step three inches to the right, you you're going in a tunnel that might open up in China on the other end. Like these these things are just terrible. Sometimes you get a mound where you're you're all of a sudden it feels like you're throwing down from the top of a ski slope and you're falling down a mountain as you as you deliver a pitch. And then sometimes you get them and you're like, this is softball plus. Is, is all we're working with here today. I'm almost on the exact same plane. Uh, we should take our break here, though, and um, come back, talk a little bit more. I know you wanted to talk about uh, Oscar Colossus' fundamentals, um, possibly something that got him sent down as well. And uh, we can, you know, talk about what can change to make yes, this I th- better.
0: Th- yeah, I, th- I think we need to get into, okay, what do you do now? Uh If you happen to be a total blithering idiot who got promoted to general manager. Yes, absolutely. So
1: let's take a quick break and we will be right back on sharing socks. Welcome back to sharing socks. We, uh, you know, kind of wallowed in our uh, Valley of despair as we do often on this podcast during the 2023 season. Um, But there's going to be, believe it or not, a 2024 season. Which is too bad. (laughs) which is kind of too bad because – so we're looking at – we just broke down the numbers in the first half. The White Sox, I think our best scenario was we were 20th in Major League Baseball on on something. Maybe it was home runs, I think. Uh, And In most cases, we are in that 28 to 30 range. Is there anything – I'm going to start with this broad question. Is there anything that can be done – by 2024 to make this team competitive. When you are talking about numbers in the 29th and 30th ranking of Major League Baseball,
0: no, I, 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 I'm competitive with Kansas City, maybe. Uh, we talked about. I mean, uh, Pedro Grifoll, when, when also got was sent out, says he's got to work on his fundamentals. He's got to work on base running. He's got to work on deep, and he's right. I mean, Grifoll doesn't get much right, but he's got that right. Collazo's fundamentals, he, When he's throwing a ball, he has no idea who he's supposed to be throwing it to or where it goes. He doesn't approach balls right, which is strange. Again, he played in Japan for three years. He played 114 games in Japan where they really teach fundamentals. You and I watched a Japanese high school game where every fundamental was perfectly done by every player on the field. Granted, it was the equivalent of a state championship, but still. They were high school kids, but still, I, I mean, it looked like it, that old video you would
1: see of Fred McGriff being like, "I'm going to teach you the fundamentals of baseball," and which was a great video and the fundamental work and it was spectacular. Those kids all looked like the
0: instructional video, Fred McGriff's instructional video. But, yeah, and I, and I think a couple things have there. One, one, it's typical of, of Japanese ballplayers, as you saw in the world. world uh, championships this baseball classic but also also watching if you watched little league world series when they've had teams in it even the 12 year olds know exactly what to do maybe they can't do it but they know what to do uh and i think also the game that you and i saw was in 2005 which ichiro he'd already come to the states he was playing for seattle but he was the hero of of the country at the time Uh, they may play differently now that uh Otani is the the hero of the country and, and hitting the ball 800 feet. But Ichiro achieved his greatness by doing everything perfectly the way baseball is supposed to be played. Have you seen the video
1: of Ichiro standing behind the mound and they've put up three sticks at home plate and he knocks them down in order on the first try? (laughs) and then the even more impressive one he's in the infield they've put a trash can in the outfield up towards the wall he throws a ball he knocks the lid off the trash can with the first ball before the first ball even lands he throws the second ball the first ball knocks the lid off the trash can the second ball goes in (laughs) I mean, I have not
0: seen it. That's amazing.
1: Best fundamental baseball player in the history of the game, and and I do actually, I think so. I
0: I, I, agree.
1: I I do think we're actually still in the Ichiro era because the guys like Otani and and the the young professional players they're coming from the Ichiro era. It's now going to be the kids growing up who are who are looking up to Otani, but they're also always going to look up to Ichiro. Ichiro was not some, you know, strange commodity. Ichiro was a flawless baseball player. Mm. He was as good as it gets. There's nothing yeah. about Ichiro's game that you would not want to do moving forward, with the exception of I don't believe Ichiro ever heard the term or considered the term launch angle. I don't think they bothered <laughs> I don't think they bothered translating it to Japanese for him because Ichiro's launch angle was about a negative 80 as he pounded the ball into the ground every single time because he was lightning fast. Um, I I don't know how Coloss is is so terrible fundamentally, and and for that
0: matter, it it spills over to the rest of the White Sox as well. That oh yeah, a, and it didn't spill fundamentally. Funda- whole team, I mean, and everybody talks about it. Even uh, Gets coming up is talking about it. They talked about it for years. It was, it was Getz's job. He yeah. was in charge of the minor leagues for seven years. Why are they bad fundamentally? Now they didn't all come up through the White Sox system, but enough did. Tim Anderson came up. Did not even hold the glove the right way in his rookie year. I don't know if you remember that he would go for a ground ball with the with the glove backwards. Uh, Yeah, depending on what side it was, it was shifting at. Now he's improved on that. Speaking of Tim, what would you do? What are you going to do with Tim Anderson? First big decision for Chris Getz. You have a fourteen million, maybe fourteen five option for next year. What do you do? You let him
1: walk. Um, there's there's no reason to pick it up, and and that's not because I'm so anti Tim these days because he hasn't been playing that well, and he got in a fight. Like I I all of that aside, there's no reason to pick it up, and and the reason for that is what we started the second half of this podcast with, which is there's no way to be competitive in 2024. There is no way to be competitive. This team is so terrible at every level, in every aspect, that why would you pay $14 million to lose 100 games again? And, and you know, in my dream world, the answer is you pick it up and you also spend $250 million more million on real baseball players. We obviously know that's not going to happen. We're not going to buy any big yeah, contracts. Jerry,
0: Jerry Reinsdorf apparently broke the rules and will be fined. I don't think they make these fines public for saying that they won't – they're not looking at Otani. You can't do that. Apparently, that that's part of the union contract. You can't go out uh, and say we're not going to look at a guy. So he's, because he's, they because they could
1: use it for leverage, and yeah, now you've yeah. compromised leverage. Yeah. Well, of course. Uh, 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 Jerry uh, Jerry, Jeff, Jeff just... Jerry saying we're not looking at Otani is like nobody knew that he
0: didn't really need to say. That's it.
1: like me saying, "Oh, I'm not looking at buying a Lamborghini right
0: now." <laughs> like, of of course I'm not. Ridiculous. Tim, Tim, of course, had an absolutely, and Tim's, I, I think in Tim's case, letting Tim go would be the best thing you could do for Tim Anderson. The alternative. Absolutely. To take the option and trade him. And I get to that, even though he's minus two war and, and difficult to trade. Of course, he was terrible through the first three months of the season in July, in July, which is the month leading up to the trade deadline. When there was talk about, yeah, we're open to trading Tim Anderson. There's a lot of talk about that. Or teams were interested in Tim Anderson. He hit 292 with a 701 OPS. That's still yeah. a little below average on the OPS, but it was 125 points higher than he's hit for the whole season. Then August backed out to 219 and OPS of 584 and continue on into September. Tim doesn't want to be here. No. Tim really wanted it out. I don't blame him. And, and I wish him the best wherever he goes. Now the alternative, and here's where I think the strategy thing is. Uh, today, I think MLB trade rumors came out that they're doing position by position, free agent lists who are the best sure. free agents at this or that. And he did shortstop today. There's nobody. I mean, you know, last year, the greatest shortstops of baseball were all out there for two, $300 million contracts. There's Nobody. Uh, so that being the case, could you get something for Tim Anderson? Would somebody swallow that salary? Well, I, I, I mean, I do think that the answer to that is yes.
1: Um, do I think it's going to be anything amazing? No, uh, I, I don't think you're getting anyone's top prospects for Tim Anderson on a $14 million deal. That being said, $14 million for a decent shortstop is not expensive. That is that is just not where we are money-wise these days. Uh, you're talking about places where people have shortstops on 10-year, $300 million deals. So uh, $14 million. I think Tim actually could be a very good player again for not the White Sox.
0: So I, do I, 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 I do I, I don't th- disagree.
1: Yeah. He's I, not a I good think,
0: defensive shortstop. He's never gonna be that.
1: No, but he also would likely transition to second base for a different organization that Drew. knew how to run Drew. itself, especially a competitive organization. If he were to be traded to a team that has a chance of winning, I think Tim is I actually think Tim would go to second base, no complaints, just like Ahmed Rosario did when he came over to the Dodgers this season. Which brings you brings me to a fundamental thing which I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to talk about this. Uh, we can come back to that if we want. But, so I've worked for the Dodgers. Um, I, I won't get into what capacity, but I am there all the time. And I see a lot of the practice. And I have seen Ahmed Rosario on the field for hours, hours and hours with Dino, the third base coach, Just practicing covering second base on a double play. I'm talking hours of just making sure the footwork is correct, the body turn is correct, the throw is correct. This is a major league player who has, not this year, but was a good shortstop previously, and he is working his butt off. They work those infielders like crazy. The other day, Freddie Freeman taking an hour of ground balls at shortstop to prepare because because they are so into fundamentals and being a complete team. This Dodgers team is obviously we have some stars, but this is an injury depleted team. This team is good because they play hard and they practice hard. That team gets there seven to eight hours before game time every single day. They're practicing six hours before game time up to game time every single day. And I'm talking fundamentals. The other day I watched James Outman in the outfield take Fungo on one-hop ground balls. This is a gold-glove level center fielder who is taking Fungo one-hop ground balls for an hour – And, I mean, this looked mind-numbingly boring. And every time, he's doing it in a very specific way, getting the glove as far out in front as possible, making sure he gets there. And if he didn't do it, you saw the coach tell him how to do it. You saw him correct it. You saw him shake his head. Nope, not far enough. Didn't get the glove out far enough. This is professional baseball. This is how teams win baseball games. I, we have gone to White Sox games early. I can't vouch for their arrival time. I don't know anything about that. I'm not going to act like I do. But the pre-game work that I see the Dodgers put in, and I will also say that I, I see the visiting teams do it as well. And I can tell you which visiting teams put in the work and which ones don't. And I can tell you who's out there working their butts off. And those teams – are these teams that we did not think were going to be good this year and are still in the conversation. The Reds, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Brewers. Those teams are out there for hours in the outfield practicing fundamentals. The Reds, the freaking Reds, they have cones set up in the outfield before games on the road and are doing running drills. Like a like a little league practice. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, the work you see these guys put in. I have never seen anything like that when we've gone early to White Sox games. You barely see guys stretch, and yet I'm here watching. I, I'm, I'm seeing Clayton Kershaw, who is an anomaly in terms of work ethic. He is famous for his work ethic. This dude's out here doing uh, um, wh- what is it, kinesthetics? Um, you know, he is, he is out there just doing baseline-to-baseline run-touching at noon on a 7 o'clock game day that he's not pitching.
0: And it's 100 degrees.
1: And it's 100 degrees outside. The other day, I'm watch- I'm-, I'm, walking through the ballpark. Brewstar Gratterall is running the warning track the entire time I'm there in 90-degree heat in hoodie and sweatpants. This is a dude with who is a relief pitcher, who pitches one inning every now and then? Now, granted, his ERA is I think a buck thirty, so he whatever <laughs> he's doing, he's doing it right. But this is how teams win and, and play outside of their means, which is what we're seeing from the Reds. It's what we're seeing from the Diamondbacks. It's what we're seeing from the Cubs. It's what we're seeing from the Brewers. I'll tell you a team that noticeably was not doing these things: the San Diego Padres. And oh wow! And, and what do we see from the San Diego Padres? Complete dysfunction, and fundamental breakdown of baseball. And that is what you see from the Chicago White Sox as well. And and I, I cannot tell you how much my mind has been blown watching these elite Major League Baseball players practicing for hours every single day. Freddie Freeman, who I believe still doesn't have an error I've seen him take more practice at shortstop because he wants to get better. And you get better playing shortstop than you do just playing first. He wants to get better at his job. This dude has no errors and is an MVP candidate. And he's out there wanting to get better at baseball every day. Just turned 33 and he's out there trying to get better every single day. We don't have that on the south side of Chicago. We don't have guys who are trying to get better. I mean, there are probably some individual, you know, circumstances where they're doing the work on their own. But you don't see it at a team level. You don't see it. And that's Chris Getz. That that's that trickles down from Chris Getz and his old job as well. If you're not seeing it at the major league level, I find it hard to believe you were seeing it at the minor league level. Now, I know the Dodgers are are famous for their treatment of minor league players and their quality treatment of minor league players. So my guess would be that this is expected of these players all the way down through the farm system, this kind of work ethic. When they get to the major leagues, they are doing the same types of drills and work that you would expect to see in the minors, in the college level, in the high school level. It, it has really blown my mind, it really impressed me. And then when you see the road teams doing it, it, it just makes me even more bummed out about this White Sox team and what they could have been. I, I do believe that this team did not put in the work, just did not put in the work. And and it's trickled down from ownership through bad operations, through bad management, through bad coaching, into bad playing. And it, that is just how it works. You do not have... Uh, a lousy tear that
0: trickles down into great baseball it doesn't happen you know it doesn't happen you're anywhere. talking you're talking about the more visible part and it, what part i would find most interesting to find out is that what you can't see which is the mental part because so much now you have so much video to work with you have you have so much knowledge of every pitcher is his his Slider breaks down three inches and over eight inches, and that's what you got to work for. That's where you got to be aiming if you see that spin on the slide. That there's so much out there in the way of information, and I know the Dodgers because I saw this. They they have an entire department in Arizona of kinesiologists. Yeah, We're working on everything about muscle memory and muscle development. When you know that's and people talk about that with the socks all the time. They they lack the kind of departments and research that other teams are doing regularly. It's not with the Sox. But I'd be curious as to whether regular White Sox players, whether, whether the guys, obviously they do look at video, but how intensely do they look at it? How much do they look at it? Uh, I can remember games, I don't know why I was watching it, but J.D. Martinez, who was one of the better hitters of, of our era, uh, striking out. And be really, really ticked off, and going back in the dugout, grabbing, a, a, you know, an iPad or a Kindle or whatever, whatever it, it was, and just <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. You know, and he was he was he was de aging. So by the time I was next at back, I mean, he was still looking at every pitch that the pitcher threw and how he threw it and what he may have done wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I don't know if that happens with the White Sox.
1: I I don't either. I don't and and. I certainly don't see any of it, but of the stuff that I can't see, I certainly don't sense that any of it's happening. If you're not going to play, if you're not going to pay to make your organization better, your organization's not going to get better. And this organization is not going to get better under Jerry Reinsdorf. I'm making the bold prediction right now: this team does not see a pennant under Jerry Reinsdorf. Period. Now, period.
0: Pennant. Would refer only to winning the AL Central. Correct. Do you stand by that? Yes, that is that is what I mean.
1: And I horrible Jerry, as the
0: division is
1: under Jerry Reinsdorf, this team does not win a pennant. It it just. I think will it's very not. possible. I mean, it I, just. I, will I think not.
0: they could be fifth. I think they could be fifth in the worst division of baseball next year, and. And this is going to remain the worst. I for twenty twenty five, but after the gets no. hiring, I, I don't think twenty twenty five either. Because
1: who? What? What do you have going for you in twenty twenty five? Luis Robert and Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease, who went from being an elite ace to one of the worst starters in Major League Baseball, like he's he's terrible. He's terrible. The the only starting pitcher we have that's worth anything is Voldemort, the he who shall not be named, and and he's not that good. He's, he's okay. I, I mean, what what do you have? Look, the all I can hope for these White Sox players that I do like, like Luis and Tim, uh, I just hope that they get to go somewhere else. I do. I hope they don't get I, I Mike. Can't, can't, I hope can't they don't get Mike into it.
0: Being being traded. I mean. Obviously, he'll he be, he be a free mean, agent at some point. But, but Yeah,
1: I just mean after free agency. Because yeah. if Reinsdorf still I, – I know he's not a free agent for a few years. But if Reinsdorf is still the owner of this team in a few years, I just hope, hope, hope Luis Robert goes to a team that actually has leadership and focus and training. and Because yeah. and, he's elite. Yeah. It, Luis Robert is an, an elite baseball oh, player. Oh, absolutely. If, if absolutely. he were on a real team – if he were on an actual good team with good coaching, good leadership, good management, good facilities, good training staff, he is an he is a over 300, over 40 home run gold glove every year for the next five, six years. There's no doubt in my mind. He is an elite baseball talent. He is, he is one of the best players in the game. And I think a lot of that potential we haven't seen yet. I, I think he is just getting better and better on his own because I don't think anybody's helping him do it. I think he's just that good of a natural talent. If he can get off this team and get to a team that knows how to play baseball and knows how to coach baseball, yeah, I, I think you're talking about a yeah, perennial MVP he's not, candidate.
0: He's not without weakness, and his one weakness, as as we know, is chasing sliders. Yeah. I mean, that's a weakness for all major league players against a really good slider, but he chases pretty bad sliders. Yeah. Uh, if somebody can work with him, not so much to not, yeah, I mean, to hit him because they're unhittable, uh, but to recognize them so he's not swinging at them. Uh, boy, that that's even one more step up for a guy who's already terrific. Yeah.
1: I mean, that that I think is what would take him from a 275 guy to a 300 guy every year is, is just being able to lay off those pitches. But we are, we are well over our time today. Um, this was a, A delightful post-mortem of our not-even-dead-yet season. Although I will say thank you to the Chicago White Sox. They did choose to get eliminated on September 10th, which is my birthday. So it felt like a really lovely uh, little birthday gift to me that I got to see the big Instagram post that says eliminated uh, from ESPN. Really, really charming way to, to bring in this 37th year of my life. Uh, But that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time on Sharing Socks.